Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. My guest today is Kanthan Pillay, a man with extensive experience in media and information technology, and his media experience includes all the media. Uh, newspaper, magazines, radio, television, through journalism, marketing, corporate communications, and business management. He also has IT, considerable IT experience, and so he is probably well-placed to communicate the subject of our, of our discussion extremely well. Kanthan, welcome. Good morning, Sarah. How are you doing? Well, thank you. And you? Very well, thanks. Um, Kanthan, I was very keen to have you on because I read... Uh, uh, your blog in response to the, the handing over of letters, uh, what, do, what do they call them, um, of accreditation by the new Israeli ambassador to the president of Ramaphosa. And uh, it was interesting because it was a very, it should have been very much a normal dip diplomatic process and uh, it's it, from the pictures they seem to have got on fairly well, but the, the reports are that it's been controversial because essentially there's a there's there's a, a certainly a proportion within on the left and within the ruling party and its allies as well um, to downgrade, to not recognise, to uh, put Israel at, at every arm's length as is humanly possible, and 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 the acceptance of accreditation seems to go against that. What was your, what was your take on that on that strange sort of dichotomy? Look, it's it's an interesting play that's going on right now within the the ranks of the ANC, and if you consider that the last pronouncement on this matter came from Lindiwe Sisulu, who, as we know, Cyril Ramaphosa has been at odds with recently, and given that Lindiwe Sisulu had last acted. On, she was foreign minister at the time, you might yeah. remember, and yeah. was reacting to a resolution that was taken at the ANC conference in Nazrek, which effectively called for a downscaling of relations between Israel and South Africa. And coming out of that, I believe that there was a, um, a announcement that they were going to recall the ambassador um, uh, from uh, from Israel, and and this entire process of actually exchanging. Um, uh, credentials with the incoming ambassador has just been on hold for the longest time. Mm. And and I think given the conflict that took place between Ramaphosa and Susulu over the past week, perhaps we're actually seeing a, a drawing of a line in the sand now where Ramaphosa is effectively trying to do his own thing in uh, without actually disrupting the overall messaging that's coming out of the ANC, which always is, is something in terms of unity and uh, and all of that stuff, which we know is complete hogwash. I was pleasantly surprised, let's say. Mm. No, essentially, uh, so, uh, President Ramaphosa made quite a bit out of the um, issues such as uh, trade links and, uh, and similar matters. Uh, and although they, they seem to be very much caught between the one and the other, because very recently you also had the issue of Miss South Africa uh, taking part in, in this universe in, in Israel and exactly this, the, the same grouping is calling, withdraw, not both withholding support from her, etc. So it seems like on the one hand, but on the other hand, 
What I find interesting is that, if I'm not mistaken, other than possibly Poland, where there's been a similar downgrade, but for quite different um, reasons, South Africa is the only country that has downgraded its presence in its diplomatic presence in Israel. And yet, and, and that strikes me as very strange, other than the fact that we know why this, this may be, in that the range of countries worldwide have not, and that includes um, South Africa's partners in, in, in BRICS. Um, what, for, can you give us an idea why you think there's this disjuncture between South Africa and its, and its, and its partners and uh, how they view their relations with uh, Israel? Well, the biggest problem that we've got here is the historical relationship between the African National Congress and the Palestine Liberation Organization, which you know really dates back to the late 60s, early 70s. And there's a lot that's happened in the world since then. I mean, this is 50 years down the line from those days. And we've had uh, a setup where there's been this bifurcation in terms of the way in which Palestinians as such actually relate to the, to the outside world. So you've got, on the one hand, the relationship with the Palestinian Authority uh, on the West Bank, and then you've got Hamas and Gaza. Mm -hmm. and, and those are two entirely different beasts. But there has not been an educational process taking place within the ranks of the ANC that's actually able to draw a distinction between the historical ties with the Palestinian Liberation Organization and this new beast called Hamas, which is a very different entity. South Africa's liberation movements have never had a relationship with Hamas. They've uh, never had to encounter the type of fanaticism that uh, that actually drives Hamas. They've, uh, and, and more to the point, the, you know, the fundamental goal of Hamas, which is you know, essentially the extermination of the state of Israel is, is something that was never part of the dialogue between the PLO and the ANC. Mm. So you've, you've had this historical clinging to, you know, purported allegiance with uh, the Palestinian people, which is all well and good. But that, to a large extent, has been exploited by particular interests within the ANC who are essentially pushing you know, the, uh, the same line from um the, uh, everyone who's basically supporting Hamas and, mm. and wants against the state of Israel. I think that uh, when it came to the conference at Nasrek, where these resolutions were put down, I think the last thing that Ramaphosa wanted to be doing at that point was to be uh, making an issue out of uh, that resolution. So I don't think it was a hill that he wanted to die mm. on. And uh, I think right now he's got a credible argument that, yes, he's accepted the credentials of the Israeli ambassador. But look, we don't have an ambassador um, uh, uh, in Jerusalem right now. In fact, we haven't even acknowledged that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. So, so hey, you know, I'm, I'm still doing my job. Mm. And, uh, and I guess he's just waiting for the next conference to see how that thing plays out. But the, right. look, the, yeah. the crucial thing, though, what I was trying to highlight was that it's out of step with the way in which the rest of the world yeah. actually engages with Israel. And, and I use the BRICS countries as examples, pointing out that there's incredibly close relationships between Brazil, Russia, India and China mm -hmm. with Israel. And in spite of the fact that there continues to be um, diplomatic uh, channels that are open around the issues of, you know, when a independent Palestine becomes a reality. Mm -hmm. Which I think will happen at some point, but you know clearly there are 
a number of boxes that need to be ticked in terms of security and so forth. The, the Abraham Accords, I think, was a significant step in terms of persuading you know, many parts of the world. Look, if the likes of uh, the UAE and the Saudis can actually have a rapprochement with Israel, they, you know, what are the rest of us doing? Mm. Mm. No, I, I get the impression, I mean, I think from what you're saying, and it certainly is my view, is that um, the, the ANC's view, as you say, is sort of um, pickled in an aspect of the late 60s and 70s when both both the PLO and the ANC were, I mean, they, they, they were secular parties, they were under the tutelage and, 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 and favour of, of the Soviet Union and its, and, its, and, and, and its propaganda. And that's where they've stayed. They, 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 they have not moved from that. And everything has, it's a bit like their position on, on, on changing policy that, that needs to be done in order to make South Africa grow. And economically. It's, it's the same sort of, as I said, it's an almost a, a romantic throwback. Yes, I, I, I think it very much is that. And, you know, this entire idea of, of solidarity manifests itself occasionally you know, in, in terms of things like we are all brothers and sisters in Africa. But as soon as you get to the point of, of saying, well, you know, let's open up our borders and let people in. And that's where our inherent xenophobia kicks in. And, you know, we've been seeing a lot of that happening lately. And maybe right now, given the fact that South Africa has such close relations with the UAE in particular, and I've no doubt that this engagement that's taking place with the UAE who are turning around and saying to South Africa, well, you guys are being idiots. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, given that we are trying to do more things with the UAE, not least of which we want to get the Guptas extradited and brought back here to face trial. And uh, I think it's kind of difficult to do that mm. um, unless, we, you know, we're actually having honest conversations with them. Mm. Maybe there's some wishful thinking on my part there. I don't know. Mm. But this is just conjecture based on, you know, reading the tea leaves right now. Right. The, the, the politics of pressure. Um, can, the, can you give us an idea of the nature of the of the relation of the relationships of the individual BRICS companies, uh, sorry, countries with with Israel? Yeah, look, in fact, some of them are, are so uh, deep that it's it's difficult to actually go through the extent to which they do. Mm. But you know, Brazil very specifically is a full member state of the Israel Allies Caucus. You know, which um, is a group of countries that. Uh, supports Israel's sovereignty over Jerusalem and recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And Brazil's got agreements with Israel in, in science, technology, there's defense, public security, civil aviation, cyber security, and of course health, which mm -hmm. is where they, mm -hmm. uh, they're cooperating mostly. Russia, Ru Russia still, uh, people don't know this, Russia is the largest supplier of oil to Israel. Israel and, and Russia have visa-free travel between the countries. And, of course, they, they collaborate on medical matters and, and on space technology. Mm. Uh, India, after, uh, you, you know, through until uh, um, sort of around about the, uh, the late 80s, early 90s, uh, India and Israel had used to have a relatively strained relationship. And it changed at that point. And then under the current prime minister, Narendra Modi, there was, of course, a full opening up of 
uh, of relations. India is now the largest buyer of Israeli military equipment. And they, they share intelligence on terrorist groups and joint military training, because obviously that's uh, of key concern to both India and Israel. They, you know, there's a common enemy thing that kicks in there. Mm-hmm. There's extensive bilateral free trade agreements between them, focusing on IT, biotechnology, agriculture. And, and then, you know, finally, China. China tends to play below the radar in terms mm. of their relationships with Israel, but they've got very close strategic military links with each other. And um, and the United States-China uh, Economic and Security Review Commission said that Israel ranks second only to Russia as a weapon system provided to China. And it's also a conduit for really sophisticated, cutting-edge military technology mm-hmm. uh, to China. So... You know, that's, that's just in terms of the BRICS countries. And, and of course, now we know, for, for instance, that the UAE, even prior to the signing of the Abraham Accords, was working with um, uh, uh, Israeli tech in order to track the, the movement of, uh, um, of uh, terrorists within the UAE, you know, mainly through use of surveillance mm. technology and, and so forth. So I think that these messages are not getting out enough to the populace of South Africa Mm -hmm. so that they can make an informed decision around what our relationship should be. And, you know, frankly, the advantages of actually conducting normalized relationships with Israel for this country, it's enlightened self-interest, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just, I was going to say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that, that, you know, the the first, the first rule of, of, Diplomacy is usually enlightened self-interest, and it, and and I would say it, you can have that relationship with Israel without um, abandoning support for the Palestinians. Absolutely, I mean, you know, we're not cutting off ties with uh, Uganda as an example, even mm. though they're one of the most repressive regimes on this continent. You know, particularly in terms of women's rights and and gay rights, among mm. other things. Mm. Um, Kenton, I wanted to I want to perhaps pose, pose a little bit of a curveball. Um, it, it's, it's related, but uh, we we won't have given an indication of this. I see that today a, a report has been released by Amnesty International. Um, I haven't seen the report. I say up front, but I've seen already three attacks on the report. Um, one local ADL. Um, in America, and there was there was another journalist. Uh, I'm not sure where he was from, and basically saying that the report from Amnesty International really essentially, and and they all say the same thing, calls for the elimination of Israel. It it it, it doesn't just it doesn't just uh, criticize uh, the the government of Israel and its policies, but it 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 really goes for the Israel is an apartheid state, colonial and oppressor, etc. That strikes me as an extraordinary thing. I mean, other than challenging the merits of it, but that strikes me as an extraordinary thing to come from an NGO. Sorry, you've you've got me on the back foot here because I haven't seen the the report. I I would consider it, you know, quite mind-blowing if that was the case because I can't imagine any scenario today where um, an NGO um, of the likes of Amnesty was putting out something to that effect mm. and was still expecting to maintain any sort of credibility. Yeah. On the other on the other hand, there have been some real absurdities coming out from, you know, many parts of the world uh, right now. And 
you know, it's very possible that something like that actually did come through. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to reserve judgment yes, no. I, <laughs> until, I've, until I've had a look at it. But it, 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 it does sound uh, it does sound kind of mind blowing. Mm. I, I think you know, really, there is an increasing polarization in terms of um, uh, people who have been pushing particularly the Hamas agenda for the longest Mm. time now. And I think that there is a sense of desperation because, look, the tide of history has been turning Mm. against them, particularly, you know, really thanks to the work that was put in place by Trump. You know, no matter what Mm. you think about Trump. And, you know, know, frankly, I wouldn't trust Trump around my daughters. But but, but certainly, you know, in terms of of having had the most realistic approach to addressing the problems of the Middle East and decoupling the idea of relations with Israel from from attempting to have resolution to the Palestinian question, I I think that that was the most significant thing that took place. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, I'm I'm seeing increasing um, signs of, you know, desperation from the likes of... uh, um, uh, what do they call themselves? BDSA, the, mm. the boycott, disinvestment, what, what's, and the sanctions, yeah. Yes, yes, and uh, it it is you know kind of uh, the most dangerous time because you know uh, when you know a wounded beast is at its most dangerous then, mm-hmm. and I think that that's the narrative that we're now seeing coming out. Yeah. But uh, look, you know, Amnesty, uh, I'd, I'd be very surprised if. They were pushing that particular line, given that they don't really have funding that comes to them from people who might have a vested interest mm. in the downfall. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what uh, kind of what I'd like? What I'll do is, if I can get hold of it, I'll send it through to you, and perhaps we can talk about it in detail and the response to it uh, on a later program. Sure, I'd be happy to. Mm. I'd like to thank you very, very much for joining us and uh, put, cre- putting forward a. Quite a distinct perspective on a, a thorny and usually just emotional issue. <laughs> well, you know, let's hope that common sense prevails. Right? It's, <laughs> a, it's a short supply these days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks Have very much. Day. Cheers.